Good morning, and welcome to our first installment of TNJ Explore the World. On this particular episode, we are going to be talking about the Bloomberg business column, talking about was Tom Hayes running the biggest financial conspiracy in history. Now, given that we'd previously talked about what Tom Hayes was doing, Bloomberg Business Week had a big article about it. Wall Street Journal had a five-part series considering this one is shorter, and if I want to kind of cover a 15-minute walk for you to work, this is the one that I'm going to cover. So let's get started. This kind of kicks off on a deserted trading floor, the Tokyo headquarters of a Swiss bank. Tom Hayes sat wrapped right before a bank of eight computer screens, color askew, pale features pinched, blonde hair must in a habit of pulling at it when he was deep in thought. The British trader was even more disheveled than usual. It was September 15th, 2008, and it looked, he would later recall, like the end of the world. Hayes had awakened at dawn in his apartment by a call from his boss, telling him to get into the office immediately. In New York, Lehman Brothers was plunging into bankruptcy. At his desk, Hayes watched the world process the news in panic. Each market as it opened became a sea of flashing red as investors frantically dumped their holdings. In moments like this, Hayes entered an almost unconscious state rapidly processing the tide of information before him and calculating the best escape route. Hayes was a phenom at UBS, one of the best the bank had at trading derivatives. All year long, the financial crisis had been good for him. The chaos had let him buy cheaply from those desperate to get out and sell high to the unlucky few who still needed to trade. While most dealers closed up shop in fear, Hayes, with his seemingly limitless appetite for risk, stayed in. He was 28 years old and he was up more than $70 million for the year. Now that was under threat. Not only did Hayes have to extract himself from every deal he'd done with Lehman, but he'd, almost made a series of enormous, but he'd also made a series of enormous bets that in the coming days, interest rates would remain stable. The collapse of the fourth largest investment bank in the U.S. would surely cause those rates, which were really just barometers of risk, to spike. As Hayes examined his trade book, one rate mattered more than any other. The London Interbank Offered Rate, or LIBOR, a benchmark that influenced 350 trillion of securities around the world. For traders like Hayes, this number was the holy grail, and two years older, earlier, he had discovered a way to rig it. LIBOR was set by a self-selected, self-policing committee of the world's largest banks. The rate measured how much it cost them to borrow from each other. Every morning, each bank submitted an investment. An average was taken, and a number was published at midday. <clears throat> the process was repeated in different currencies. During his time as a junior trader in London, Hayes had gotten to know several of the 16 individuals responsible for making their bank's daily submission for the Japanese yen. His stroke of genius was realizing that these men mostly relied on interdealer brokers, the fast-talking middlemen involved in every trade, for guidance on what to submit each day. Hayes saw what no one else did because he was different. Hayes' intimacy with numbers, his cold embrace of risk, and his manias were more than professional tics. They were signs that he'd been wired differently since birth. Hayes would not be officially diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome until 2015, when he was 35, but his co-workers, many of them savvy operators from fancy schools, often reminded Hayes he wasn't like them. They called him Rain Man. Most traders looked down on brokers as second-class citizens, too. Hayes recognized their worth. 
He'd been, he'd been paying them to lie ever since he had. By the time the market opened in London, Lehman's death was official. Hayes instant messaged one of his brokers in the UK capital to tell him what direction he wanted LIBOR to move. Cash, mate. Really need it lower, he typed, skipping any pleasantries. What's the score? The broker sent his assurances and, over the next few hours, followed a well-worn playbook. Whenever one of the LIBOR-setting banks called and asked his opinion on what the benchmark would do, the broker said, incredibly, given the calamitous news, that the rate was likely to fall. LIBOR was often called the world's most important number, but this was how it was set. Conversations among men who were depending on the day, indifferent, optimistic, or frightened. When Hayes checked later that night, he saw to his inexpressible relief that the yen LIBOR had fallen. Hayes was not at a danger yet. Over the next three days, he barely left the office, surviving on three hours of sleep a night. As the market seesawed, his profit and loss in one stretch went from minus 20 million to plus 8 million in just hours. Amid the bedlam, LIBOR was the one thing Hayes had some control over. He cranked his network to the max, offering his brokers extra payment for their cooperation and calling in favors at banks around the world. By Thursday, September 18th, Hayes was exhausted. This was the day he'd been working toward all week. If LIBOR jumped today, his puppeteering would have been for naught. LIBOR moves in increments called basis points, equal to one one-hundredth of a percentage point, and every tick was roughly $750,000 to his bottom line. For the umpteenth time since Lehman faltered, Hayes dialed one of his most trusted brokers in London. I need you to keep it as low as possible, all right? Hayes said. I'll pay you... You know, 50000 100000 whatever. Whatever you want, all right? All right, the broker repeated. I'm a man of my word, Hayes said. I know you are. No, that's done. Right. Leave it to me, the broker said. Hayes was still in the office when that day's library was published at noon in London. The yen rate had fallen one basis point, while comparable money market rates in other currencies continued to soar. Hayes' crisis had been averted. Using his network, he had personally tilted one of the central pillars of the planet's financial infra infrastructure. He pulled off his handset and headed home for the night. He, he'd only recently upgraded from the superhero duvet he'd slept under since he was eight years old. That's only the end of the first kind of paragraph to it. So I will update you more on this as it goes along. Maybe I'll send daily updates for each additional paragraph, something along that sense. We shall see. All right, baby. I love you.